0: Hi, I am Katina Horton, the Love and Freedom Toxic Relationship Recovery Coach, and today's Bible teaching is entitled Relationships with People, Places, Things, and Ideas, 13 Ways You Know It's Time to Let Them Go, Part 5. Today is the conclusion of this particular series, and we're just going to get right into it. And before we do, though, I just want to remind you that we wear a tie so we can make an impact. That means we are analyzing, troubleshooting, implementing, empowering, and impacting the women in our homes, in our communities, and then where, around the world. And the easiest and quickest way for you to do that is to share this message. If you hear anything in this message that is of value to you today, if you can share this message, and then also if you could go ahead and to click the like button. So without further ado, I'm going to get right on into the message. So we are on number 12, the 12th way that you know that they are, um, that it's time for you to let them go is that they literally get ready to throw you out of an exit, literally get ready to throw you out of an exit. Right. And in the scripture, it says they were all speaking well of him and they're this is speaking of Jesus, right? And talking about the Pharisees and scribes and all these other individuals that were with them and were amazed by the gracious words that came from his mouth. Yet they said, isn't this Joseph's son? And that's the key word right there, it said yet. So people will speak well of you and then at the same time, they'll go, well, isn't that Sally's daughter? (laughs) Like, wait a minute, (laughs) this shouldn't be coming out of her mouth, right? Then he said to them, no doubt, you will quote this proverb to me, doctor, heal yourself. What we've heard that took place in Capernaum, do here in your hometown also. So he's like telling them like, yeah, I know you're going to tell me, right? Since I'm the one that's preaching the gospel, preaching the word of God, that I need to go ahead and heal myself. But he's also letting them know that here I am telling you the truth and you can't even accept it, right? And then it says, he also said, truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. But I say to you, there were certainly many widows in Israel in Elijah's days when the sky was shut up for three years and six months while a great famine came over all the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them except the widow at Zarephath in Sidon. And in the prophet Elisha's time, And remember, Elisha was that mentor, right? And uh, he was actually a mentee of Elijah. There were many in Israel who had leprosy, and yet not one of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, everyone in the synagogue was enraged. They got up, drove him out of town, and brought him to the edge of the hill that their town was built on, intending to hurl him over the cliff. But he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. And so what happens is that you end up being emotionally entangled with this man, right? You don't even realize it, right? He's tried to push you out of the door of a car, push you off of a cliff, literally, push you out of a window, push you off of a moving train, off a moving bus, right? That's enough right there to just what? Let him go. But then oftentimes what happens is because of being trauma-bonded, right? And soul-tied to him, right after you survive it, you talk him down, he lets you go, or he comes back into his body and realizes what it is he's doing and stops, whatever the case may be. After all this has happened and you realize, okay, I'm safe at this point, right? Then because of your own brokenness and unresolved trauma, right? And being trauma-bonded and soul-tied, you begin to try to talk to him. Well, you know what? Can you really just kind of tell me about your childhood? Maybe I can understand you better. Or right after he's done that, he'll start saying, well, you know, just like on this movie, Raft that I watched uh, what T.D. Jakes was the producer. You got Michelle Williams as one of the main characters. Right. And so right after this one guy that she was with, he gets upset. He gets jealous because she's talking to a friend on the phone. And she said, well, I hope you're not one that's really jealous, right? So he takes that phone, throws it down, steps all over and breaks it. And she ended the relationship with him. Next thing you know, he pops up because he's been stalking her. and She doesn't know. Uh, at least she didn't know <laughs> in the beginning. So he pops up and she's trying to figure out like, how did you know I was going to be here? She's there doing a business meeting at a uh, this place. that was kind of like a bar slash lounge type of uh, situation going on, right? He pops up with this brand new phone and gives it to her. And she's like, okay, thank you for the phone, all of that. I don't know if I'm going to use it, but like, you know, let's just end peaceably. Then what does he do? As soon as she turns around and thanks him and goes on to go back to her business people, well, you know, I'm a victim of childhood trauma. And then right away she stops in her tracks and she's like, oh, like, tell me about it. Sits down next to him and he starts talking about his grandmama, his mama, all of them. And she's like, wait a minute, so they were abusive? No. So this person was abusive? No. But you know, they were kind of, my grandmother was kind of mean. So you'll be just pushed off a cliff, thrown out of a bus, a train, or whatever. You've escaped out of a car, right? Trying to be, just uh, uh, to trying to get your, to save your life, literally. And then right of us, all of a sudden, they start doing what? Trying to loop you right back in after trying to kill you, which is only doing what? Reinforcing the trauma bond. After they've done that, it's time to let them go, right? Jesus then play around and say, "Well, let me see. Maybe they won't really throw me off." Mm-mm, mm-mm. All this happened because they were enraged at him telling the truth. People do not want you to tell the truth, and when you hit, when you tell the truth, it's going to hit certain areas, right? And then what happens? Those areas that you're wounded in, you're going to end up developing narcissistic injury. They will actually end up developing narcissistic injury, that narcissistic injury is going to turn into narcissistic rage. And then an explosion of behavior and rage will follow, right? Remember, narcissistic individuals use other people as emotional regulators, right? And so what happens is we don't even want to do our own work. We definitely don't want to be responsible for somebody else's work. Being an emotional regulator is a lot of work. Why? Because what happens is all that other person's venom and poison is going to only be infused inside of your soul. And you've already taken care of those areas. But then once they put their poison inside of you, now you got to re- go back and, and, and redo do those areas that had already been taken care of. Nobody wants anybody else's trauma and drama, right? And so, like I said, Jesus was telling them the truth, right? First, they welcomed him welcomed him until it was like, wait a minute, wait a minute isn't, that, isn't that Joseph's son? Isn't that Mary's son? So people are gonna do the same thing with you. They're gonna be listening to you. And you know, hey amen, sister, hey amen, brother, and all of that until they realize, wait a minute, ain't that Charles Nam son? <laughs> ain't that Charles Davis son over there? What are you talking about? He don't know anything. So then they're gonna what? Put you off, they're gonna be put off by the words that you say, right? They're gonna be put off by the truth, right? And they're gonna hear you speaking, but but because of their inability to detach where you're from. From, your or, from the origin of, you know, from where you're from, as far as your origin, right? Place of living, place of working, place of going to church. Because they can't detach that from the truth, they will not be able to receive it. It's nothing you can do to change their mind, right? It's nothing that anybody else can do to change their mind. You can pray for them. You can pray with them. It's up to them to be able to do their own work without bleeding out on themselves bleeding out on you, bleeding out on their families and whoever else, you know, they're bleeding out on, right? Whoever else caused their wounds, right? And whatever issues is causing it, that's for them to resolve, right? And it's causing them to go into full viper mode. And remember, vipers use ambush foraging. They use ambush foraging, right? That means they sit for long periods of time and they wait to attack. And when they attack, that poison, right, from their venom enters your soul. And that poison is consumed, what is it? It's consuming, it's like a consuming fire because it's consisting of their family history, the current things, the trauma and drama that's going on in their lives currently, right? Their wounds and insecurities and all of that is mixed in, right? And then it's usually also mixed in with toxic envy and jealousy, right? And everything else that's in their system that have not been re- resolved. It's all wounds. And a lot of it is work you've already done, but because they haven't done it, now you're reinfected with their junk, right? And it's also mixed in with what that Holy Spirit box that we that I like to call it, right? From all of this false doctrine and limited world views, right? And so they was basically mad at Jesus because he was telling the truth, but like I said. There's nothing we can do when someone is stuck and they don't want to see the light and they can't see the light because of spiritual blindness and having on a different pair of spiritual eyeglasses. There's nothing we can do to change their prescription. (laughs) That's up to them. They have to do their own work, right? And so the next reason why you need to let them go, right? To sing, I think, a better let it go to be able to sing Teddy Pendergrass song is, when the person is asking you right off the back, they haven't even been dating you that long, where does your strength come from? And tell me how I can so tie and tangle you and leave you in a helpless state. You know, it's time to let them go, right? Anytime somebody comes to you, you're infatuated with them. You are in lust with them. You are in whatever with them. But anytime they come to you right after that and ask you, how they can so entangle you and leave you in a helpless state, it's time to let them go at that conversation. (laughs) There's no relationship after that. They've already told you their intentions. And a lot of times we get into stuff because we get into these situationships, so to speak, because we don't even know a person's intentions, right? Even if we may or may not be uh, self-aware of our own unresolved trauma, our own undealt with brokenness, right? Our own uh, unchecked cravings that turn into that lust of the flesh type of thing. When somebody tells you purposely, I'm going to so tight entangle you and leave you in a helpless state, they could not make it any clearer than that. And so when Delilah told Samson that, that was his time to exit. <laughs> Unfortunately, because of his undealt with brokenness and that lust, he went full speed ahead like that was a license to go further when she told him that. And in scripture, and I'm reading from Judges, the 16th chapter, right? And I'm also reading from the fourth through the sixth verses. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman named Delilah who lived in the Sorek Valley. The Philistine leaders went to her and said, persuade him. So they might as well have been saying love bomb him to tell you where his great strength comes from so we can overpower him, tie him up and make him helpless. So it was three different things they told her they wanted to do, right? And then they said, each of us would then give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me, where does your great strength come from? How could someone tie you up and make you helpless? It don't get any bolder or clearer than that. She didn't have any type of like riddles she asked him right To, to help pull him in, like the riddles he liked and the games he played. None of that. She told him right off the bat what her intentions was. And he ignored it. He used it as a license to go on further. Right. And to satisfy his needs. That was the lust of the flesh. Right. I couldn't help but be floored by it. Right. And even when somebody asks you such a deep question right after, you know, them, first of all, start out. Can you tell me where your strength comes from? Right. You got to get to know someone before you even let them be that intimate and vulnerable with you. Right. Because it's like, why are you asking me this right off the bat? Why didn't you start off with something else? It was just like the serpent. Starting off with asking Eve, did God really say not to eat off the tree to treat not of good and evil? You know, playing around with her with words, twisting around what God said, twisting it and turning it into a lot, gaslighting her. First of all, asking her about the boundaries, right? This is boundary stuff. So whenever somebody sets up a conversation with you and you just meeting them, right? And they set up this conversation with you, you know it's going to go down. It's not going to be good, right? And remember, though, Samson had a whole lot of unresolved trauma, undealt with brokenness, lust of the flesh. He had his toxic uh, family's love story garden. He had unresolved trauma from his uh, wife, whose father-in-law, who his father-in-law gave her away to his companion. Right. And even before she was given away, she betrayed him. The prostitute he'd been with, unresolved trauma from that. And now he got a woman who is his type, so to speak philistine, attractive, seductive, emotionally manipulative. All four of those, that was Samson's type. That was it. Anytime somebody asks you right away, tell me how I can tie you up and make you helpless. They tell you, they're they're telling you, right? I I want you to be so tied to me, so let me know. So when we take that next step, that's on us. We can't even say, I didn't know what they were going to try to do. I couldn't figure it out. No, 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 no. They've already told you, Right. That's When it's time, what to let them go because the conversation has ended, right? And we can all oftentimes try to talk ourselves out of it. Well, you know, I, I got a good relationship with a mama, and the grandmama's so sweet, you know, and, and then his father seems like the perfect fatherly figure, you know what I'm saying. And then maybe I can convince him to go to therapy. Now, since I know about narcissism and toxicity and wounds and I've taken care of my own stuff, maybe I can convince him not to do talk to me like that anymore, not to get me so tied and tangled. You can't, we can't convince anybody not to do anything. We can barely convince ourselves when push comes to shove, right? And he might as well have said, I'm going to, what uh, Delilah might as well have said to Samson, I'm going to in- infiltrate every area of your life. I'm going to leave you penniless, broken, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, financially, intellectually, relationally, socially, sexually, et cetera. She might as well have told him that. And that man might as well have told you that, right? But the decision is yours. The choice is, is yours to make, right? Female narcissists are already very much so emasculating and bold with their behavior. The only thing they need to do is use their physique and their looks to lure men in. And that's it. They're going to be just as bold as Delilah, right? And they're going to say, this is what I'm going to do do to you. And the men are sitting there like a little puppy dog, following, standing on their heads, following everything this woman has said, not knowing why, right? Before you know it, what is it what's going to happen? He's going to even have her, <laughs> right? He thought that this this particular woman was like all the rest of But he, met, he had met one like this, right? He didn't know this was a female narcissist, right? Just as toxic as he is. He didn't know that, Right? So this particular man thought, well, I'm just going to play her like I played the rest of the women, giving a few little treats, spent a little bit of time with them on the side and still have my wife. These female narcissists are not wanting that. They want to be taken care of. They want to have the life that you brag to them about, which lured them in in the first place, right? That made you a bait for them. They want that. They want the vacations, right? They want to have the degrees. They want to stay at home. They want to homeschool at you. They want to have the exact same life that you bragged about with them (laughs) and you haven't currently with your wife. They want to have that with you. They want their cake and to eat it too and they want their kids taken care of, right? You thought you were going to be able to weasel your way into another woman's life. Every woman that you met, these men, some of them think that they're going to weasel their way into there and it's going to keep being the same thing. Every woman is going to be like that. Not with a female narcissist. They're emasculating, bold, and they will take over and destroy, right? She just wanted fun, And games is what he thought, right, originally. But it ended up where what? These women have become more than the side chick, right? They want to be in the wife position, right? And so what happens is when you, these days, when the men who are narcissistic think they're going to play games with their wife and the side chicks on the side, and these side chicks end up being narcissistic, there is no competition. These side chicks who are narcissistic are going to keep wearing them down, wearing them down, wearing them down. Until they get in and they don't realize what <laughs> they want to be in the wife position. But what I want to remind you now that we're at the end of this series, that you are enough, you can let them go, right? Reclaim your power, soul, and identity. And then I want you to reclaim the power, soul, and identity of your calling. Grab your keys to the kingdom and get your inheritance. Again, I am Katina Horton, the Love and Freedom Toxic Relationship Recovery Coach. Until next time, I love you. What's God bless and sin. be blessed. He was
1: the It means to make a valley with grace out of this home that I've done for me. He made a valley of grace where things would change. cross high again, the valley of grace was never the same after he had died. The love that refines valleys into places to learn instead of burn and perish away in nights never so cold without his grace how could I say that I've seen the world from his great love how could I know what he could love what I've seen, what he had in store for me, if I didn't give up and let him be mine. The valley of Grace, where things would change, and maybe they'd take up the cross high again. The Valley of Grace never was the same after he had died. of that refined so much i Give back. But I'm not intact to be sharing all of that. You took the price to give me that life. And now it's never gonna fade away. When I see I need more of Him, He whispers the sweetest of mercies upon my ear. And I won't go back the way it was again, again, again. And now, a valley of grace where things would change. I've seen the lights of.